0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Julie Nowicki, a physical therapist at Cleveland Clinic Children's. She's here today to talk to us about the Hematology Oncology Mobility Program. Welcome, Julie. Hey, thank
1: you, Dr. Shepard.
0: Let's, uh, let's just start out. With, uh, what's your role here at Cleveland Clinic Children's?
1: So I have been a therapist here for just about seven years. Um, I treat patients of all ages, from birth to young adulthood. Um, I work in an outpatient satellite in Westlake, and I also work downtown at the Cleveland Clinic Children's Outpatient Center and as part of the Hematology Oncology Mobility Program.
0: All right. Well, we're going to spend some time talking about this Hematology Oncology Mobility Program, but let's kind of take a step back first and and, and tell us a little bit about, you know, just in general, the role of physical therapy in, in children who are undergoing cancer treatments.
1: Absolutely. So it's a crucial part of, of patients undergoing chemotherapy. Uh, all the medications that they're receiving have some serious side effects. Those can include weakness, decreased balance, um, numbness and tingling, decreased endurance. So our job as therapists is to help the patients get back to whatever they were able to do before they started this cancer treatment. So if it's a young kid and they were just learning to walk, or if it's a slightly older school-aged kid who was participating in recreational sports and all the way up to, to adults who were, you know, trying to do some recreational or job- related activities, our goal is to get them back to that. So we work on different exercises tailored to each individual patient to build up their strength, re- regain their endurance, help their balance, and essentially get them back to where they were before they had to start treatment.
0: Excellent. So so it sounds like there's a couple of components to this. One is patients who may be actively undergoing treatment and have issues related to their treatment and their their disease itself. And then there's also long-term effects. So tell us a little bit about the differences there.
1: We're going to see some differences in um, what patients are able to do during treatment versus after treatment. There's a lot of studies out there right now um, that that are looking at the effects of cancer treatment. Uh, And there's a lot of things that are saying that even five years out from cancer treatment and survivorhood, that patients who have had cancer are four to five times more likely to report restrictions or limitations in their daily activities, whether that being going to school, uh, going to work, or just doing personal care items and and daily chores. So our job doesn't stop when they stop uh, their treatment. Our job continues on throughout the time that they need to get back to whatever that level of function was. So sometimes it takes a long time to regain that strength and endurance. Sometimes it's a little bit faster And we try to be there every step of the way.
0: So let's go ahead and and jump in and tell me about this Hematology Oncology Mobility Program. What is it?
1: Sure. So it is a program that was uh, designed to make sure that all children who are coming through the Cleveland Clinic and receiving any type of uh, care for either cancer or other blood-related disorders are receiving care if they need it. We are trying to capture these kids when they're first diagnosed, oftentimes they're uh, coming in, this is a whole new ball game. They have no idea what to expect. So we're trying to see these patients at baseline and get an understanding of, hey, what do you look like right now? How, how do you function? What do you like to do during the day? And then we follow up with them as, as often as we need to throughout their treatment so that we can continue to monitor their progress, see what kinds of exercises we need to change or update, and then continue again throughout the continuum of care and through the time that they're finished so that they can continue to receive care if they need it. We are able to refer out to outpatient therapies if they need it. So we only have physical therapy in the program at this time, but we're trying to screen for any possible side effects. So that might include issues with swallowing or language, issues with fine motor skills, such as buttoning buttons or zippers or self feeding and and grooming. So we're referring for our outpatient satellites so that these patients are getting care for occupational speech or physical therapy as they need.
0: And the program itself, is it primarily centered on main campus?
1: It is at the Cleveland Clinic Children's Outpatient Center, the the R building.
0: I, I like the way you're looking at patients early on because too often we get people on the adult side sent to physical therapy when they already had the debility, and it must be difficult to kind of know what baseline looked like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can, you know, hear what they say they were able to do, but it's so hard to see that person from, you know, if they're already coming to you deconditioned. Uh, So it's great to see them early on so that we know what they like to do and, and what we can get them back to.
0: Excellent. Tell me a little bit about the difference between patients coming in to do a program on main campus here versus having them go out and do home physical therapy. There have been some studies that have shown some benefits. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So a lot of the studies show that there's a huge increase in the results or the outcomes when they have individual one-on-one therapy versus just being sent home with a therapy program. So I feel like we're able to really help motivate them when we're face to face. We keep we're we're one on one. We're treating them sometimes even during their infusions, uh, sometimes just in between lab visits and doctor visits. But we're able to make sure they stay motivated throughout, whereas if they went home, they have a higher likelihood of just kind of being a little more relaxed and not being pushed to work as hard. Uh, So the outcomes and the research shows um, that there's a great benefit to working one-on-one face-to-face versus home-based.
0: What have been the biggest challenges as you set up the program?
1: I feel like some of the the hardest things right now are just um, trying to figure out where we fit in and, and not step on toes as far as... They've got so many appointments. We don't want to overwhelm families. We don't want to get in the way of all the important medical stuff. So, like I said, we're trying to see them um, sometimes in their infusion rooms, sometimes between visits. So, just scheduling at this point, making sure that we can get everybody in when they're here.
0: So, when we think about patient selection, you mentioned before that um, you're trying to get patients as they come into the into treatment and and they're newly diagnosed. Are there particular patients that are better suited, or are you are you really within the the children's um, oncology group? Are you focusing on solid tumors, or hemalignancies or anyone?
1: Everybody, all of them, everybody that's coming throughout that building is appropriate for this program. We're trying to capture everybody, and and you know sometimes we meet friends and they're they're doing great. So what we might do is just follow up with them in a month. So maybe they they've either just started their treatment and they're still feeling really well and, and not having any side effects. So hey, we don't need to see you all the time. Let me just follow up in a few weeks. So we try to do some um, routine follow up on everybody to see if they still don't need it or if they're starting to qualify for more therapy.
0: Have you found that there are any particular ages of patients that that have seemingly benefited more?
1: You know what? No, I feel like we've had uh, we've run the gamut of ages. We've we've seen kids from I think three up through adults in their 30s. And I feel like everybody has benefited so far from this.
0: And I guess in a similar line, any particular disease types or any particular treatments that you see either more debility or really more benefit from the program?
1: I, I would say not necessarily. It all. You know, Every chemotherapy drug is different and every one has different side effects, but we're able to tailor the exercises to each individual. So I think, you know, everybody is appropriate. Uh, sometimes, you know, patients with been Christine. We, we come across a lot of peripheral neuropathy, but patients of, of any, you know, diagnosis and receiving any cancer drug are seeing some type of side effect that we can work on.
0: So where are you doing therapy? Tell me a little bit about sort of the creativity and how you're actually seeing patients.
1: Yeah, it gets super creative where we are. Uh, sometimes I'm in a little conference room. It's it's right next to the labs. It's just a, a floor space with carpet and chairs. And uh, we do have a room upstairs in the R building uh, that gets shared by multiple different therapy departments. So there's some equipment up there. Oftentimes I just grab some equipment, whether it be a step, a Bosu ball, uh, some Theraband. I grab some equipment. I bring it down to whatever room I need to treat the patient in, and we get really creative. So sometimes we're grabbing a yoga mat and doing some exercises on the floor. With younger kids, we have these fun little uh, toys called squigs that we can stick on a hard surface and they can work on stepping over or jumping to reach them. So we just get really creative in the space that we're provided because it's not like a therapy gym when you you know think, hey, I'm going to PT. There's going to be treadmills and bikes and, and weights. And it's definitely not like that. We have a room. Sometimes the kids are hooked up already to their IV or their infusion. So we're working around cords and wires and we just do the best we can. And I think they all still have fun with it. Well,
0: that's fantastic. And you know, you don't really think about, you know, physical therapy and fusion rooms. You know, we think about right. art therapy or music therapy or things, but physical therapy, that's pretty creative. So
1: and, and speaking of, you just brought up a great point. So the, you know, rec therapy or music and art therapy um are great to work with too. Every once in a while we're able to kind of collaborate and the kids really, really love it when we can be in there providing physical therapy while the music therapist is in there or while the, the art therapist is in there. So it's really nice that they're all in the same building and we can work together.
0: So when, we, uh, when you think about um, expansion of this, what, uh, what, what are the bigger goals? Are the bigger goals to provide this um, in a satellite setting where you know patients may not have to travel as much or to, to provide additional services, you mentioned like occupational therapy or speech? What's the next big target?
1: Right now, we're in the building three days a week and um, a few hours each day. What I'd really like to see is that we're expanding to all week long that we're able to be there and for more hours. So we want to make sure that the, the nice thing about having PT in that building and the mobility program there is that patients who are traveling a ton for their treatment don't have to make an extra trip to an extra building. So I would love for it to expand there, maybe have a small space that we could take them, or just keep treating in infusion rooms and, and conference rooms, trying to make the burden a little easier on families where they don't have to travel as much. So um, more hours, more days would be a goal. And then absolutely also having uh speech and occupational there as well, so that we can, you know, target every patient that might have any side effects.
0: Unfortunately, when we think about services and any sort of healthcare, quite honestly, um, coverage issues are sometimes uh, a factor. Have there been any, any issues with um, having this covered by insurance providers and, and, and getting this to the patients?
1: Thankfully, there's been no issues as far as getting coverage. However, we do typically have to wait for um, a script to be on file and to get pre-authorization. So there may be some patients who come for a first visit that I would love to see right away. But we do have to wait for that prior off because of insurance um, and, and wait for the physician script to be in before I can actually treat them.
0: So, you know, HIPAA compliant and all, but favorite success story. Oh, what, what do you see as a big win?
1: I've got a lot of those. I feel like. It's hard to even say, but there's, there's a little friend who, who, you know, when I first met him, he had a a lengthy hospital stay, wasn't able to even stand independently. And he's now running, playing soccer, jumping on the trampoline, back to school, playing with his siblings. Um, It's, it's a beautiful story and he worked really hard to get there.
0: That's great. And, and it sounds like he's had good support.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I guess, uh, you know, ideally it sounds like the way this program is set up, you're working alongside the, the hematologists and the oncologists that are providing care. But, you know, with a lot of the services that we provide in other settings, uh, people may get part of their care one place, but then utilize some of our services. Do you ever, ever have situations where someone might be treated by another provider, not necessarily in Cleveland Clinic Children's, but sort of work with them on a therapy standpoint?
1: Uh, you know what? That hasn't happened yet, but not to say that that couldn't happen. Um, certainly, certainly that's a possibility. And we've definitely had patients come to our outpatient satellites from outside of the clinic as well, but not quite in the, in the mobility program.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a valuable service, so it just seems like people might want to take advantage of it.
1: We'd be more than willing to uh, to take them on.
0: Great service you're providing. Um, I can only imagine that people that are listening might say, hey, that'd be really cool to set up where I'm at. Um, What kind of advice would you give?
1: Keep pushing for it. Keep going for it. Yeah, it's a it's a great service. I think that everywhere should have it. Like you said, we've got we've got great success stories. Patients have all been, I think, thankful to have it right there in in the hospital where they're receiving their their treatment, so that they don't have to make this extra trip. So I would say, if, if you're thinking about it, keep pushing for it. Keep talking to your oncologists or your your administrative staff to try to get it going.
0: That's great. Well, you're doing great work. Appreciate your insights. Thanks for being with us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: To make a direct online referral to our Tossett Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancerpatientreferrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances.